Radio Drama Revival, the show dedicated to stories told through the medium of sound, showcase the diversity and vitality of modern audio theater, hear your news, reviews, discussion, and of course, stories. I'm your host, Fred, and that great theme music is by Roger Gregg of Crazy Dog Audio Theater. And we are so pleased to be celebrating uh, the accomplishments of fellow audio producers here. Uh, the Audi Awards were just announced uh, about a week ago now. Uh, we had a lot of great contenders, um, including Titanium Rain with their friends at the Audio Comics Company, Josh Finney, uh, Kat Rocha. Uh, there was a piece from Yuri, the late Yuri Rosovsky, Die Snow White, Die Damn You. Um, and the winner uh, was Swords Point by Ellen Kushner. It was an illuminated audiobook, and we spoke with Ellen Kushner and Sue Zizza. Uh, Sue is the producer of that, Ellen the writer of that. Uh, maybe, I think it was back in December now, and um, we are so pleased to be celebrating their win of the audio drama category. Uh, it's uh, uncommon, I guess, for the Audis, the APA, to be celebrating an independent. Um, often you'll see it go to, say, the BBC or um, other sort of more, more well-known uh, groups as opposed to uh, an independent. Um, not that Sue Media, they've done tons and tons of shows over the years. Uh, they're very much um, the top echelon of professionals, um, but they are like us, indies out there, and um, Sue has done, uh, and, and, and Dave uh, Chin, have done some spectacular productions. They've done huge contributions just to the whole art of audio drama by um, their continued um, advocacy, um, the, their role in the National Audio Theater Festivals, and of course by the production of um, this illuminated work, um, Swords Point, as well as full-on audio drama. So it is our great pleasure today to be able to feature the second show that they produced as an illuminated audiobook, which is Privilege of the Sword, uh, which actually also uh, was uh, nominated for an Audi, um, this one for the multi-voiced performance as opposed to audio drama. Um, but like uh, Swords Point is also what you call an illuminated audiobook, which means that most of it's an audiobook, but they have these sort of moments that the book uh, really shines well when um, it has multiple actors and, and sound effects and music, and it sort of uh, it sort of walks this line, uh, traipsing from the audio drama realm back into the audiobook realm, back and forth. Um, so we'll be featuring samples of that today, um, as well as talking about all our announcements. So Sue uh, will be down at the Here Now Festival. Um, the new Here Now Festival is put on by the National Audio Theater Festivals. They've traditionally been known for a week-long immersive audio drama uh, training workshop. Uh, well, this year it has become uh, more of like a film fest. Uh, there are three days of listening sessions and mixers and other uh, good stuff. There's going to be a lot of really cool people out there. Regretfully, I will not be among them, but there'll be uh, all sorts of uh, audio narrators and producers. Uh, among the guests are Phil Proctor, Melinda Peterson, Dion Graham, uh, Barbara Rosenblatt, Stefan Rudnicki, Robin Miles, other narrators. Um, Robin Witten of Audiophile Magazine will be out there sort of organizing uh, a lot of the narrative track. Um, ZBS Foundation will be there, Tom Lopez, Jerry Stearns, and Brian Price of Great Northern Audio Theater, the folks who uh, put out a live show each year at Convergence, as well as uh, run the Mark Time Awards. They'll be there. Um, there'll even be a session with Randy Tom, the celebrated sound designers worked on all sorts of stuff that you've heard of um, from Skywalker Sound. He's going to be doing a interactive session from San Francisco teleprompted advised session thing uh, to Kansas City. I guess they'll be using that uber fast internet from Google for that one. Um, that will be on uh, Friday night, June 21st. So this is all happening like this weekend in um, Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, it's a fantastic three days of audio programming. Uh, it's also going to be the world premiere. I'm now able to announce the world premiere of The Cleansed Season 2 will be there on Friday night um, as part of the ZBS um, session. Uh, we have uh, organized it so that we've got the new audio available there. It's 
going to be the first time it's aired and the first time anyone anywhere is going to be able to hear it, well, apart from me and sound designer Boudreaux and my wife. Uh, but uh, the rest of the world, um, people sitting in that theater will be the first to hear it. Um, it's going to be available to a couple other people. There are a few events that Final Room Productions is doing in the next week. Um, and people who go to those live events will be able to hear it. And the uh, rest of the world, uh, it's going to be July 5th. Um, also, if you supported us on Kickstarter or through one of our campaigns last year, you'll also get on the early release list. Um, season 2 sounds fantastic. In fact, before we get into the show today, um, we're going to play a clip of it. Uh, here is a small segment, just sort of the opening passage of The Cleansed Season 2. Um, just out, totally out of context, but to give you a flavor of what's going to sound like. Come on, everyone, come on! We need to reach shelter! <coughs> Where are you taking us? We'll be there soon. Hope this airbase works out better than Bobby's little bungalow. Mom, I'm cold! It's okay. It's okay, Luke. We're almost there. I'm scared, Mom! Just come along a little further. The soldiers will protect us. Mom, Mom, did you hear? It's okay, Luke. They can't hurt us. Mom, Mom, those sounds... They're closer! Keep walking. I'm scared. The bad things, they're closer to us. For God's sake, Luke, will you just shut up? Mom! 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 Hey! Hey, Luke! What? Luke! What? What? Hey! Luke! Hey now! Relax! Mark! It's just a dream, Luke. Just another one of your dreams. Was it the same one? The wolves. I heard uh, them again last night. Koi dogs. We were on the road from Bangor, and just before we reached the refuge. It's okay, Luke. It's, it's, it was when my mom caught sick, but, but in the dreams, the wolves. And... The wolves take her down, right. It's not going to happen, Luke. We're strong and well-armed. These koi dogs are more scared of us than we are of them. Yeah, but I can't shake the feeling that something bad will happen. (laughs) Not right now, it's not. Come on. It's time for your lesson. Seriously? Grab your things. And that was a selection of The Cleansed Season 2. Season 2 is coming out July 5th. Uh, the first episode will be fully available to the world, Episode 9 of The Cleansed, as well as a primer on everything that happened in Season 1. So you can just jump right into it, or you can go back to the beginning and start listening. Um, and as I mentioned, if you go to Here Now Festival, herenowfestival.org, you'll be able to hear it on Friday night. As long aside, uh, Neil Gaiman's Neverwhere also be for the first time in the U.S. broadcast on Thursday evening out in uh, Kansas City. And uh, we've got some great company with many other audio events and, and things going on at herenowfestival.org. Um, and now on to our feature, which is a little um, unusual since it is an audio book. Um, but it is audio drama uh, moments in this, what they call, illuminated audiobook. Um, we had an interview with Ellen Kushner and Sue Zizza back in December. I'll put a link with it on the show notes um, if you want to kind of understand what their approach was like for these audiobooks and, and, and what they were trying to accomplish. Um, that will be linked to at radiodramarevival.com. Um, and first, we have an uh, intro from Neil Gaiman telling you just sort of a context of, of why this book was chosen to be illuminated. And then chapter two uh, with narration by Barbara Rosenblatt and then a uh, full-voiced uh, illuminated passages in chapter two of 
Privilege of the Sword, back-to-back here on Radio Drum Revival. Enjoy. Hello, I'm Neil Gaiman, and I'm delighted to present The Privilege of the Sword by Ellen Kushner, read by Alan Kushner, and other luminaries you may recognise. More on them later. This book is part of the Neil Gaiman Presents audiobook label. I picked books I loved and wanted more people to discover, and worked with each author to find just the right narrators for you. Part of the fun of sharing books I love is that I get to tell you a little bit about them. The Privilege of the Sword tells the tale of a young girl who risks everything to go and live with her eccentric, litigious, and extremely rich Uncle Alec in the colourful city Kushner's created, a city where elegant nobles can mingle with raffish actors one moment and deadly swordsmen the next. If you've already enjoyed Kushner's first book, Swords Point, you'll already be familiar with Alec as the angry young scholar with mysterious origins living in the city's riverside district, with a notorious killer swordsman. Now, in The Privilege of the Sword, some years later, Alec is the mad Duke Tremontaine, living in a mansion on the hill, still tortured by his past. But you don't have to have read Swords Point to enjoy The Privilege of the Sword. This is the story of Catherine herself, a girl who starts out imagining her life will be a sort of Jane Austen-style romance, full of dances and dresses and parties, but finds that her iconoclastic uncle has other plans. When she gets to his house in the city, the mad duke dresses Lady Catherine in men's clothes, gets her a first-rate tutor in swordplay, and sets her loose on a traditional world that is not really ready for her. Nor at first is she ready for it. But isn't that true for everyone? Life hands us so many moments when we hover between who we were raised to be, who the people around us are trying to make us, and who we're trying to become. In Catherine's case, that means encountering a range of people and behaviours her mother never prepared her for, including some shocking acts of violence, both physical and emotional. As one of Kushner's most charming characters, an actress known as the Black Rose sighs, it's all so very difficult, until you get the hang of it. To capture the nuance of Ellen Kushner's fabulous cast of complex and intriguing characters, there is no better narrator than Ellen Kushner herself. She reads all of the first-person narration from Catherine's own point of view. In scenes where an omniscient narrator takes over, we've called on the amazing talents of the award-winning actor Barbara Rosenblatt, a woman who's been called the Meryl Streep of audio drama. Barbara's voice can sound like something neither entirely male nor female, which in a book that explores and sometimes even explodes gender roles in society is a real boon. To make your listening experiences even richer... Director Suziza has illuminated certain key scenes with some truly stunning sound elements, including original music commissioned just for this book by composer Nathaniel Tronerud. Now, about those other luminaries I mentioned. Well, maybe a year ago, Ellen and I were tweeting on Twitter one day about her book, and who should Twitter in to say how much she loved it but Felicia Day? Alan said that if the movie ever gets made, Felicia would be perfect for Catherine, 
and I wholeheartedly agreed. No movie yet, but Felicia does make a wonderful appearance in several scenes here. Casting Felicia Day is a coup for me, incredibly satisfying as an audiobook producer, not just because Felicia's incredibly talented actress, but also because the quality of her performance matches the voice Ellen Kushner hears when she thinks of Lady Catherine. And that's equally true for the other featured voice actors, Catherine Kelgren, Nick Sullivan, reprising his wonderful role as the villainous Lord Ferris from Swordspoint, and Joe Hurley. You may have heard Joe Hurley is none other than Rolling Stone Keith Richards in the award-winning audio production of Richards' autobiography. Joe here is playing the Mad Duke, another bad boy of a certain age. And who is that mad, bad artist in part two? Who got up extra early one morning to go into the studio and record some lines for this audiobook while Sue, the director, kept saying, you'll make it bigger, no, even bigger than that. Oh, think of Michael Caine, think of Alec Guinness, think of Olivier, darling, make it huge. They, it was me, and, and I did. Anyway, here you go, The Privilege of the Sword. I hope you like it. Chapter 2 you have no use for girls. You told me so yourself. In a fine room in the mad Duke Tremontaine's house, a fat and messy young woman sprawled on a velvet chaise longue, one hand buried in a bowl of summer strawberries. Across the room, the mad Duke examined the back of his chimney piece for cracks. Utter incompetent, he grumbled. They wouldn't know wood bore from a tick on their dog's ass. She stuck to the subject. Neither would girls. I do have no use for girls. Not that way. Well, not with ones I'm related to, anyway. He popped out of the fireplace to leer briefly, but getting no response, went back and continued, You should be grateful. Or... As the only respectable female of my acquaintance, you are the one I would have to impose upon to escort my niece to dances and things when she gets here. The homely woman, whose name was Flavia, but whom everyone thought of as that ugly girl of the dukes, put a large berry in her mouth, wiped her fingers on the velvet of the chaise, and talked around it. Any titled lady whose husband owes you money would be delighted to take your niece in hand, if only to show you how it's done properly and try to instill some gratitude in you. She licked juice off her lips. You know, I've been meaning to ask you, why do you talk so much when half of what you say is utter crap? To keep you on your toes, he answered promptly. How would you like it if everything I said suddenly started making sense? It would only confuse you. Unfolding his long body from the guts of the fireplace, the Duke thrust his ruffled cuffs under his fat friend's nose for inspection. Would you say these are dirty? 
Dirty is not the word I would use. She stared at the lace. That implies that somewhere under the carbon there exists white linen in its original state. But I think an alchemical transformation has been effected here. At last! He lunged for the bell pull. I shall have to document it. His fingers left black smudges on the embroidered fabric. You will be amazed to learn that I too have read Fairweather. You have, as usual, completely bollocks this concept of original state. It has nothing to do with alchemy. Did I quote Fairweather? No. You eviscerated him and threw his carcass to the geese. The Duke's summons was answered by a stocky boy. Everything about him was middling. His height, weight, color, and curl of hair, skin, ears, even his deportment. Caught as it was in the middle between a boy's awkwardness and a young man's strength. His arms were a little long, but that was all. Isn't he wonderful? The Duke asked fondly. The ugly girl threw a strawberry at the boy, which he failed to catch, nor did he run after it to pick it up when it rolled into a corner. Dear one, she said to the Duke, you could surround yourself with much prettier company than those present. I do, he replied, but they have a tendency to think too highly of themselves, so I get rid of them. Over and over and over and over, he sighed. Marcus, he told the boy, get me a clean shirt. Yes, my lord. The duke pulled the one he was wearing over his head. And have this one examined, the cuffs, for alchemical transformation. Yes, my... The boy's face bent and broke into a laugh. <laughs> Do you mean it? The duke tilted his head to one side. Hmm. <laughs> Do I? I'm not sure. It was her idea. Do I mean it? The ugly girl rolled onto her back, gazing nearsightedly at the elaborate blur of the sculpted ceiling above her. You never mean anything. When the boy had left the room, she said approvingly, He's got brains. It's funny how you can always tell. Like calling to like. It was as close to a compliment as the Duke ever came. She wisely ignored it. Well, as you pointed out, I hardly chose him for his beauty. I'm surprised you chose him at all. He lacks the aura of great wickedness or great innocence. You like extremes. I do. The Duke helped himself to the strawberries. They were his, after all. He ate them, one at a time, in the manner of one who is not used to plenty. Making sure that her fingers were well licked and dried, the ugly girl went to take a book from the pile on the mantelpiece. She sat by the window reading her treatise on mathematics, ignoring the Duke as he received and donned his new shirt, received and interviewed an informant who was not offered strawberries, received and made fun of a small but very ugly lamp meant as a bribe, and finally went back to his fireplace excavations. Then she lifted her head and announced, I have thought of and discarded many conceivable reasons for you to have sent for your niece. It therefore remains that your reason is inconceivable. To any but me, of course. She waited an appreciable moment of time, 
before giving in and asking, May one hear it? I intend to make a swordsman of her. The ugly girl slammed the book shut. That tears it. That is idiotic. Possibly the stupidest thing that I have ever heard you say. Not at all. The duke could appear quite elegant when he chose to. He did so now, lounging in his wide shirt sleeves against the ornate mantle. I must have protection. Someone I can trust. Of course I have a lot of higher guards, but I am paying them. And I do not like the constant company of strangers. You could hire handsome ones. They need not be strangers long. I do not think, drawled the duke at his most stickily aristocratic, that that is very appealing. And yet, I must constantly be protected from the sudden sword thrust, the irrevocable challenge. There are so many people around who imagine their lives would be miraculously improved by my removal. So... Who better to fulfill the protective function than family? Surely you have nephews. Whole flotillas of them. So what? Not being the sort to throw a book, she pounded her fist on her cushion. So what, indeed? Not content to find freaks, you must create them as well? The Duke did not try, ever, to hide his contented smile. I do not make the rules, he said creamily. This annoys me, and so I comfort myself by breaking them. She is my favorite sisters, my only sisters, youngest child. I shall ensure that she has a distinctive and useful trade to follow should the family fortunes fail, or should the good marriage that is Every noble's daughter's ambition prove elusive or less than satisfactory. A distinctive and a useful trade. It is, alas, too late for her older brothers to learn anything, really. And anyway, I think one sword in the family's enough, don't you? Crap, she said. Utter crap. You must really hate your sister a lot. I had always known I must go to the city, because that is where one goes to make one's fortune these days. Men go there to take their seat on the Council of Lords and meet influential people. Girls go to make a brilliant match with a man of property and excellent family. We had scraped together the funds to send my eldest brother, but apart from writing the occasional letter complaining about the food, the streets, the weather, and the people, Gregory didn't seem to be doing much. I wasn't surprised. Greg always lacked dash. I, on the other hand, while not quite pretty, look very nice when I get dressed up, and neighbors at parties have been known to admire my dancing. I always remember the steps and never tread on toes or bump into others. Before my uncle's letter came, I had often tried to encourage my mother to send me to town to try my luck at finding a good match but no matter how I begged and reasoned, it always ended with her saying, Kitty, you're too young, which was ridiculous since she was married herself at fifteen. 
if I explained that a dazzling city season was completely different from one's mother picking a convenient neighbor, she'd say, "'Well, but what man would have you with your portion tied up in a lawsuit?' "'A very rich one, of course, who cares nothing for my sad estate. "'I will enchant him. "'He will love me for my winning ways and for my connections. "'I'm very well connected, aren't I? "'Your brother's still a duke, even if he is mad and dissolute. "'That counts, you said. "'But think how much more enchanting you will be "'when you have reached your full height "'and gotten all willowy and elegant,' dressed up in long gowns with real lace. And a train! I must have a train for staircases, mustn't I, mother? And a peacock feather fan, and shoes with glittery buckles, and a velvet cape. I knew that was all I needed to break anyone's heart. Let me appear on the right staircase just once in a velvet cape, and I was a made woman. Now I was headed for one of the most glorious houses in the city at the invitation of the Duke Tremontaine himself. The lawsuit would be withdrawn, my dowry restored, if not, indeed, doubled. I was sure he had a staircase. So there I was in the carriage, hurtling toward the city, my expectations high. The letter had included all sorts of bizarre rules I was to follow once I got there, like not writing or receiving any letters from family for six months, but that wasn't forever. I had no doubt that I was doing the right thing and that all would be well. My uncle might have quarreled with the rest of the family, but he'd never met me. Of course I would have to prove myself to him at first. That's why he had set up the rules. I was going to be tested for courage, for endurance, for loyalty and other virtues. Once I had demonstrated my worthiness, I would be revealed to the world in my true guise and reap the rewards. The masked ball would turn to wedding feast, the silly comedy to glorious romance with myself as heroine. First disguise, then revelation. That was how it worked. What else could the story possibly be? It was not at all the way I had ever planned to go to the city, but at least I was going. If my mad uncle wanted me to learn to use a sword, fine, as long as I would also attend balls and meet eligible men. The important thing was, he was inviting me to join his household. The Duke Tremontaine wanted me by his side and the world was open to me. And that was Privilege of the Sword, um, second part of the Swords Point trilogy by Helen Kushner. Uh, the first point, the part Swords Point won the Audi Award this year for audio drama. The second one was nominated for Audi in the multi-voiced performance category. And at the end of June, the third in that series, Fall of the Kings, will be out. Uh, again, that's going to be in July. SueMediaProductions.com. There's a cool uh, little thing uh, with them uh, standing with Neil Gaiman. Pretty awesome opportunity uh, to, to see them in, in their New York studios. Uh, they will also be, uh, like I said, in uh, July, the third part will be out, Fall of the Kings. 
And if you go to audible.com or if you want to get a free trial, audibletrial.com forward slash radiodrama through us, you get a free book and free trial. Um, and you can get either Swords Point or The Privilege of the Sword, audibletrial.com forward slash radiodrama. Or if you already are an Audible member, just hit up audible.com and search. All right. And uh, if you need to sate your hunger for more audio drama, of course, hundreds of hours at our archives, radiodramarevival.com. We've got um, news and reviews on Twitter, at radiodrama, or Facebook, facebook.com forward slash radiodrama. Um, find us on iTunes or Stitcher. Search for radiodrama, leave a review, share with your friends, or throw some money in the change drawer up at radiodramarevival.com. Thanks so much for listening thanks so much for supporting this um, listener supported service um, put out by yours truly Fred Greenhalgh copyright of individual shows remains their original producers but do please share this show as far and widely as you'd like Radio Drum Revival originates in on-air radio at WMPG-FM it is Southern Maine's community radio it is podcast at radiodramarevival.com as a labor of love till next time keep your mind and your ears open thanks for tuning in and have a great week